Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. I hope you're doing well. Happy New Year's. Hopefully you had a safe, fun New Year's Eve, got to live it up, party with friends, whatever you were able to do. Hopefully you had fun. I was asleep by 1030. I got woken up to celebrate New Year's Eve very crankily celebrated and then went back to bed and slept the rest of the night away. It was, it was par for the course with me, especially being an old man in my cranky ways, but hopefully you enjoyed yours this week on the podcast. Joining me is rich King. Now rich King is a member of the rads. One of the most decorated factions in Western Canada right now. He's been tearing it up out doing love wrestling, Can-Am, RCW. I mean, you name it. He has been a, big part of it out there so we talk about his early or his start in wrestling in the earlier years uh training at monster pro wrestling getting involved with that we talk about the formation of the rads teaming with ty matches that they've been a part of and we just rich just shares a story so without further ado on the Grainmaker wrestling podcast rich king now growing up i i need to clarify this but did you grow up in the yukon yeah, I was born and raised in the Yukon. I was there until I was 18, actually. So, so what was that like? Because I like I've growing up, I always had an imagination of what it's like living up in the uh, Northwest Northwest Territories in Yukon. But like to hear firsthand, I have to ask. It's amazing because I get this question all the time when people actually find out I'm from the Yukon. Even like people that know this or I've, I know I've told before are still surprised when I say that, like, it's, it's not a gimmick. It's real. I was born and raised up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically the, the idea of the Yukon is what Americans have the idea of Canada being okay. It's like igloos and dog sleds, but it's not like that. Like um, it, it's very much civilized. It's very much like anywhere else in the world, essentially. Like it, it's almost like a rural um, city in mm-hmm. a lot of, places like a I I always used to describe it as um well I guess I used to live in Red Deer in Alberta so it's basically like a mini version of a Red Deer essentially where it's very modern but like growing up there you get a lot of cool opportunities that I don't think you get a lot in the city so like we got a lot of outdoor education classes where we got to go out and actually make like Quincy's which are essentially snow igloos Uh, I got to sleep overnight in one of those going on kayak trips and going on canoe trips um, getting to do a lot of those types of things through school Mm -hmm. and going on um, this thing our elementary school actually had uh, what's called a bison hunt for all of our grade sevens so we got to go on that again they have like parents that do all the actual hunting yeah but the kids learn about like the patterns of like bison in nature and just like all of this outdoor ed stuff. So it was pretty incredible to grow up with that side of things. Mm-hmm. I don't think I appreciated it enough until I moved away, but uh, yeah, up there it's, it's pretty crazy. Cause like in the winter it's dark almost all the time. Uh, the sun just kind of pokes its head around the the mountains essentially. Uh, but in the summer it's nonstop summer. Like it's sun all the time. See to hear like doing things like a bison hunt, like, cause like yeah. 
to me, like being growing up in elementary and junior high and stuff like that, I would have never thought anything like that would be possible. But like <laughs> to be a part of that would actually be a very cool experience. Oh, it was it was an like I'd love to say it was an amazing experience. I'll never forget it. I mm-hmm. forgot a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> but like I, I think I was like 12, 13 at the time. But uh it was in a minus 40 situation. And it's kind of crazy because it was minus 40, but it didn't really feel like minus 40 because it was minus 40 for the entire week we were out there. So in a way, you almost just get used to that cold. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're miserable, but like you kind of get used to being miserable. All the time yeah. that sucks, right. So uh, it was a cool experience for sure. But as you mentioned, like you look back at it and back at it and maybe you don't show the same appreciation when you actually went through it as oh yeah remember it i think that that's a testament to like a lot of things like you know as you get older you look back you're like yeah i didn't appreciate that as much as i should have well yeah now especially because i'm older now i'm doing a little bit more like hikes and stuff getting out in nature a little bit more i find the quiet just very peaceful Mm -hmm. um but like i was up visiting my dad probably last year and staying at his house i could just leave the house and I was on a hike, essentially, like I could go up down the street, down another street, there's a clay cliff face, climb up that you're up in the in the bushes, like in nature, you walk around the entire like subdivision on this mountain, you can go down in this valley, there's a lake there, there's another big lake on the other side, more clay cliffs, like, it, it's amazing, just the opportunities that you have up there. And growing up, you kind of, uh, you don't appreciate what you had until mm-hmm. you get older. Right. And that's one of those things about the Yukon. Like I I probably would never move back. It's very secluded. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't get the concerts that we get in like civilization here in Edmonton. Right. (laughs) You you don't have the opportunities to go see like any movie you want at the movie theater. Cause there's like one or two and they're not that great up there. Um, Going swimming, you know, like all of these, these uh, big amenities Mm -hmm. that we have down here, you don't always get to go do that because like there's so few of those up there so you're kind of capped with what you can do uh, well you mentioned that i'm guessing living up there like wrestling wasn't a huge thing you know coming up to the yukon if at all <laughs> uh one time there was a show that came up uh it was i uh, totally forget it was like i had to have been 14 or 15 but it came up and it was such a fun time but like they had uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart and the Honky Tonk Man mm-hmm. on the show. And I remember looking at them thinking, like, these people are grossly out of shape at this point <laughs> of their career. Like, uh, growing up, there, there's not a lot of uh, professional wrestling uh, exposure up there, especially. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly, exactly a hotbed for live events. And yeah. it's very distant, right? So it's like, one of my goals in wrestling is to eventually wrestle in the Yukon, eventually wrestle in Whitehorse. I'm just waiting for that opportunity to actually mm-hmm. be available. Like it would be quite a trek for someone to make, but I hope someone makes it in the next couple of years. I think for the wrestlers involved and even the community, I think that would be an incredible experience for everyone. Absolutely. Like, again, you don't get too much of that outside entertainment going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like selfishly being a Yukon kid, I'm sure a lot of my old friends and people that go to high, I went to high school with would probably come out to see that. So that would be pretty cool. It's like, look mm-hmm. at me now. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when did you first start getting into wrestling? Uh, I had to have been like seven or eight years old. Um, I just vividly remember 
uh, being at a friend's house and playing, um, I think it was WWF Warzone on N64 and just being like addicted to the game. We would just like always play that. And then we just ended up watching like Stone Cold Steve Austin, like mixtape kind of deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to produce a bunch of those ones where it'd just be like, here's the highlights of yeah. Stone Cold. And it's like, because Stone Cold said so, or hell freezing or what, like cheesy little taglines like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So we'd watch the VHSs of that and it just kind of grew from there. So I don't remember exactly how I got into it. I just remember that it started being a big part of my life, like seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And then like, it just grew from there. So every now and then, like, it's not like my parents were going out of their way to be like, yeah, I watch wrestling. And my dad wasn't like an avid wrestling fan by any means, but like every now and then he'd watch an episode. Like I, re- yeah. I remember watching the, uh, the Vince McMahon reveal as the higher power. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad was watching that with me. And I was like, I told you it was him. I told you, <laughs> I told you all along, but um so, so that was pretty fun, but a lot of it was just like discovering it on my own and like watching it just here and there through TV, playing video games about yeah. it um, and growing up that way. I, I still remember that Warzone game when it came out and being like so hyped for it. And then like looking back later and just like, oh, this wasn't that good. Well, it was so cool because you'd have the little like graphic pop up and the yeah. guy says this one little thing. They'd have little entrances. So they come out and do their thing. It wasn't just like, a pixelated like two guys in the ring and they just kind of come at each other and mm-hmm. start kind of bopping into each other and if you're really good you can run against the ropes and do something cool yeah it, i i know like the what was it no mercy and wrestlemania one i think those were the ones that like really got me into the video yeah. game aspect oh and uh wcw revenge yeah wcw revenge yeah. is probably one of my favorite ones because that's the first one I remember. Like you could actually like customize the the and the attire colors and stuff. And um, I remember playing as uh, Mortis all the time because he looked really cool. He was like the skeleton guy, and he could mm-hmm. change his costume to all the different colors. So that was always kind of cool. But um, yeah, those those early sixty four video games were really uh, something else. Like you look at it compared to what you have now, like. It's almost gotten to a point where I can't play the wrestling video games because I yeah. just don't really understand the controls that well. This is my old man yelling at a cloud. <laughs> like, they're too hard for me at this point. Like, it's just too much to do. And, and I mean, don't even think to play online against someone because you're going to have 12-year-old kids just destroying you. I, I learned a long time that my my video game playing career was never going to go off or <laughs> it was never going to go online. Like, I, I get beaten by everybody i I just play them for fun every now and then uh, as kind of like a stress reliever turn off the brain type situation Mm -hmm. and uh probably on like one of the easier uh difficulty settings if i'm trying to de-stress i don't need to be throwing the controller around the room like i used to so (laughs) At, at what point did you think that you wanted to get involved with wrestling um like very early on like almost as soon as like when i remember wrestling I remember thinking like, this is what I want to do. I, this Mm -hmm. is what I want to go into actually a little story. Uh, When I was very young and I got into pro wrestling, I signed up to be in wrestling, like uh, amateur wrestling through school, Mm -hmm. thinking that it would be, you know, like pro wrestling. Yeah. And to my chagrin, it wasn't. I remember being like, Oh, when do we get to learn to do the, like the back suplex thing? And the coach was looking at me really funny. And I was like, no, we, we don't get to learn that one. Never, never mind. 
<laughs> so uh, that's how I got into like amateur wrestling initially. And mm -hmm. that, that didn't last long again. There's not a lot of competition up in the Yukon for that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, as I went into high school, my focuses went more towards like uh, basketball mm -hmm. or more than anything. Um, but like elementary school, I was playing everything. But yeah, wrestling itself, I, I've always kind of dreamed of doing this kind of stuff. So it's one of those things where I kind of have to like sit back every now and then and be like, I've actually been professional. Like I've been wrestling for like five, almost six years at this point. Like that's mm -hmm. pretty badass. And just being able to like, not that I've gone anywhere like extraordinary, but the things that I've done have been pretty freaking sweet. So that's the thing. I mean, I, I think some people might confuse it with like, okay, well, you haven't gone, you know, overseas to wrestle. You haven't done this and that. But like, when you look at it as a whole, I mean, you know, whether it's doing shows three nights, three different towns, traveling out of province, or even just doing stuff like, you know, the, the YouTube videos, which we'll talk about yeah. later, like all of those things are things that like, you will hear a lot of people talk and be like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this, but they never do it. But you've been able to do all of that. Yeah, you know, and one thing too is like people try to diminish just small accomplishments, right? Mm -hmm. You got to you got to enjoy the small accomplishments to really like put things into perspective. Like 8-year-old me would have been hyped just to hear that I wrestled one match. Mm -hmm. You know. So it's like when you first get in it's like, yeah, I just want to wrestle my first match, but then all of a sudden it's like like you said, it's like, oh, well, I haven't gone to Europe and I haven't done this and I haven't gone to the States and, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, it's pretty cool that you've been able to consistently wrestle for five to six years outside of pandemic times, obviously, mm -hmm. um, through multiple different provinces, through multiple different organizations, entertain all of these people that have come out to each and every show, whether it's like five people in a small town <laughs> in nowhere, Alberta, mm -hmm. or whether it's like 200 people in the rec room in, Alberta, in uh, Edmonton all the way to, you know, Winnipeg, whatever it might be. Um, it's pretty freaking cool. So it's like people get too caught up in what they haven't done and don't appreciate what they have done yeah. nearly enough. Yeah. In my mind, at least. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's one of those things you have to show the appreciation for those little things and just enjoy it as a whole, because if you don't, you're going to look back and just, you know, one of those things where you don't appreciate it enough. Exactly. And this is, I, I know I'm not going to have the 25 year career in wrestling. At least I don't plan on it. Um, but I want to make the most out of the time I am in wrestling. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure I can look back at this experience and have like nothing but positive things to say. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you moved to Edmonton at 18 and I'm guessing that's when you first went to training was after you had moved there. Correct. Oh, you are, you are dearly wrong, my friend. Oh, good, uh, good. So when, Story when time. <laughs> when I was 18, I actually moved to uh, Red Deer, Alberta. Okay. I, I didn't know anybody there. I kind of wanted a fresh start in my life. Uh, just get away from kind of uh, old habits, essentially, mm -hmm. um, and see if I could do it on my own. And uh, I went to school there. Um, I lived there for probably six years before moving to Edmonton. Okay. School and actually living there after um after graduation. Um, but I didn't actually get into wrestling until 2018. Okay. So uh, 2018 kind of came up and I was on a road trip. Well, sorry, I can't say I was on a road trip. I was driving down to Lethbridge, Alberta, which is about, I think about five or six hours away from Edmonton um, for a funeral. Um, as I was driving down, I was listening to a wrestling podcast. I just got back into wrestling probably two years prior and just kind of like reinvested in everything that was going on. 
And uh, it just kind of hit me that it's like, I, I'm healthy. I'm in pretty good shape. Like why, why look back when I'm like 50 or 60 and say, ah, I wish I would have done this. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to do this. So like on that road, on that trip down, I made the conscious decision of like, okay, we're doing this. So I think I was actually on my phone while I was driving. Don't recommend. <laughs> Very dangerous. <laughs> uh, looking up schools for pro wrestling schools here in Edmonton, found one and uh, I signed up for the February one. So it was like uh, two weeks after I got this kind of strike of motivation. And uh, yeah, ever since then, I just haven't really stopped outside of injury and the world shutting down. So, okay. Now hopefully I'll get this one, right? See, I was like, <laughs> I'm trying to piece it together. It's like, okay. He, you know, he mentioned moving to Edmonton. So I was like, it must yeah, be yeah, right yeah. after that. So it's like, okay. No worries. Um, was that with monster pro? Yeah, that was with yeah. monster okay. Pro wrestling. So I broke in with monster pro and I was with them for, um, I guess probably two straight years consistently like Mm -hmm. after the pandemic is when uh kind of moved on with the career outside of that um but it was a solid learning experience through that company like uh i i have no qualms about training i have no qualms with how i was brought in um there's things i wish i would have done differently but like as a promotion as a whole it was a great way to cut my teeth into professional wrestling and i don't think i would be um in the situation i'm in right now without that experience, I, again, just the people I met through monster pro, right. Uh, not just the other rads like TY, uh, lumberjack, Larry, Ben Omen and Mitch Clark, but, uh, some of the guys that have been around a little bit longer, you know, guys like, uh, Jude Dawkins and Sean Martins, they've really helped me out in my career as well. Uh, especially when it comes to getting into other provinces or other promotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was looking back, it was it seems like a chunk of you kind of all went through together, and it's all the same names that are still big parts of the scene out in Alberta to this day. Yeah, you take a look around at a lot of. Uh, I, I almost look at it like our graduating class in a way, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of us kind of came up together. You know, you even look at guys like uh, Nate Nixon, uh, KB Six. Um, those guys came through uh, MPW, you know, TFA started off there as well and then moved into other places. So like there was like at one time in, in MPW, there was like a solid amount of people. And then like just being able to see basically there, there's an old picture of all of us sitting at, at the ring and there's like a good chunk of us that are, you know, going other places now, different uh, promotions. So it's been pretty cool to see. Like, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm best friends with all these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh so but uh i'm happy to see people kind of moving moving along in their career and taking advantage of opportunities when they get them too even to this day i mean i'll still look at the monster pro uh social media and you see almost like the next crop of people who are coming up through there and it's like okay this is who to watch for in a few years time you know yeah you know what and and it's kind of like at the time again at the time didn't appreciate it enough but uh monster pro wrestling kind of I don't think it was intentional, but it kind of turned into a little bit of like a, a Alberta development in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way things run there, essentially, it's like you're training with them. You're part of that roster. You're part of that basically family, right? Um, which is totally understandable. A lot of promotions run that way. There's a lot of exclusivity there. Um, but with that being said, it's like eventually you do want to kind of break through that glass ceiling. Like eventually you're working the same guys over and over and over again, and you need to get those new experiences. Mm-hmm. So 
when I say like quote unquote graduation, that's when it's time like, Kate, we're starting to get opportunities other places. There's opportunities to wrestle more frequently. Um, there's other people in different promotions that we want to work other opportunities. So you kind of bet on yourself to go out and do those types of things. Like it's not just going to be automatic. You're not just going to leave. And all of a sudden you're doing all these things. Um, but I think like as a grassroots kind of system, uh, MPW is awesome for that. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a great experience. Like, again, I have nothing really that bad to say about it. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) Um, I want to ask about your first match and just your feelings and thoughts heading into that. And, uh, you know, just share some, uh, share some opinions on it. I'm actually really happy with the way my first match went. Uh, it was against Blaze and Blake Cannon, who's the uh, MPW heavyweight champion at the current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually came in at the same mini camp. So it's cool to see Blake uh, finally getting a, a big break on in that promotion for that side of things. Um, but yeah, I remember being extremely nervous, extremely shy, uh, going out there and being basically half naked uh, in front of people to perform is very uh scary mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not exactly what you dream of as you're coming up but uh no overall because of the way that training went we got to put this match together like for almost a month okay so it's not how it's not how you do like a lot of the wrestling side of things now but as we we're coming up it allowed us to put together this match both of us were comfortable with the way things should flow um i wouldn't say this is like a five-star match but i thought it was fairly simple fairly um straightforward and everything was executed pretty well so it was a nice basic little thing and um yeah very very basic but i think it was solid enough that, that's all you can really ask for for your first match i mean you yeah. went, you guys were, went out there were able to get through it nobody got hurt you know and it's like a building block for yourself and it's like that's all you can really ask for yeah, and it was, um, I have the honor and distinction of being in the one and only like MPW proving ground matches or whatever they might have called it. So it was like the rookie match on the card that happened before the show um, where we don't come out to music or lighting or anything like that. We just go out there, do a little match, get in, and then the show officially starts. So mm-hmm. I want to ask because you had mentioned the pandemic and I mean, that kind of threw a wrench into everyone's wrestling careers um, for yourself. What have you noticed some of the biggest differences from before and afterwards uh, wrestling in the pandemic? Um, That's tough to say, actually, like pre pandemic, I was just starting to do more shows for different promotions. Mm-hmm. So like I was working with uh, CWE, I started in with a couple spot shows for RCW. Um, so I was just starting to see what life outside of MPW looked like. So coming back to it, it was kind of like a fresh start in a way. Mm-hmm. So like pre-pandemic, again, like after pre-pandemic, definitely you could say the crowds were much larger. That That's a no brainer. Like uh, people weren't as nervous to go do um events around other people and then post pandemic it took a while for crowds to come back every now and then you'd have a crowd that was very big and very adamant awesome but then like it's been kind of a accumulation over time right Mm -hmm. so it's like some shows there was only like 50 60 people in the crowd but uh over the last couple months especially i've noticed more and more people coming out to different shows so whether that's just different promotional tactics whether that's just uh, more awareness or just quality of matches are going up. Uh, it's been kind of cool to see, but that that would probably be the biggest difference, like from a objective view. Now, when it comes to like myself personally, 
when it comes to the wrestling side of things, I, I think the pandemic really kind of made me hone in on more of the character work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like I was a very solid wrestler going in. Um, but I was lacking in a lot of the character side of things. You know, I was kind of the generic baby face, um, just starting to go into a heel run. Didn't really know kind of what I wanted to be off that. Um, whereas, you know, you can't jump in the wrestling ring when everything's closed. Yeah. You can't practice your moves. can't practice the techniques. You can't practice anything like that. You can work on your cardio. You can work on your strength if you have access to a gym. Um, or you can work on your character. Mm-hmm. So I sat down and I really like tried to come up with an idea of what I wanted to do. Now, the initial idea I had didn't necessarily work out, <laughs> but we took a quick left-hand turn. And mm-hmm. after I debuted in RCW, I kind of found, fell in love with a lot more of the character work side of things and kind of having a little bit more fun with it and not being always serious in mm-hmm. everything. I did. Like pro wrestling can be fun. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, uh, not everyone needs to be the Seth Rollins on the card necessarily, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, there, there's a lot of the, the technical aspects, but like, if you really look at it, like pre this run, I guess, like who was Seth Rollins as a baby face, right? Like if you had to explain him as a wrestler to somebody. To explain him as a baby face, like personally, I would find that incredibly difficult to do just with like the character he portrays now. It's just like how he's like kind of over the top in some aspects, yeah. but like, is it the he's way an eccentric flamboyant, yeah. kind of like bigger than, bigger than life person. He's, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Like very over the top and very flamboyant, but like not in the flamboyancy of like, um, like, uh, the Adrian Adonis style flamboyancy. Yeah. It's more like, uh, just like throwing something at the wall and seeing like, if it sticks, like he came out a few weeks back in like an all lace getup, you know? And it's like, yeah. okay. It's like obnoxious, right? Yeah. Those obnoxious outfits you can find. It's like, fantastic. To me, that doesn't like suit the character as at all, but then it's just like, okay, he's just running with like whatever. And it's seeing if it works to me. But yeah, like, so, so he built that up though, right? Mm-hmm. That started, like he did the the whole kind of cult gimmick and then slowly kind of turned into this naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before it's like, if you try to explain Seth Rollins as a, as a um, character, it'd be like, he is a really good wrestler. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people want to go into like indie, indie shows with their gimmick being really good wrestler. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if everyone's doing that, no one's a really great wrestler. Whereas if I can go in there and if depending on where I'm putting on the card, if it's on first or last, you're usually putting in a little bit more kind of work into that. But if you're like second or third on the show, it's like, okay, let's do a little bit of a Santino Morella, you know, a little bit of like an R-Truth match where it's like, this is a lot more fun than it is just like, oh my God, they're going back and forth and doing a million super kicks and a million, you know, moonsaults. Like, so it's like, if I can fill that place on that card, I not only do I get more opportunities, but it's more exposure. And a lot of people actually remember those moments mm-hmm. a lot more than just good match. That's what I was going to hit on was because, I mean, you take a look at nowadays, you can turn on the TV and see an incredible match 
you know, every Wednesday, every Monday, possibly. And, you know, it's, you're very entertained, but how many of those matches do you actually remember after it's said and done? Like, are you going to go back and look two weeks from now and be like, Oh, you know, John Moxley and, uh, you know, whoever, yeah. uh, you know, Ethan page had a great match, you know, like you kind of forget about that, but what you do kind of have a tendency to remember are funnier moments or more loose, lighthearted moments that kind of stick out a little bit more. And that sometimes gets forgotten. You know what? That, that's actually really funny you bring that up because even this morning I was thinking, I'm like, okay, like what were my favorite matches last year that I watched? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, there's a few that kind of stuck out that were like really good matches. But the one that I just always gravitate towards is the Sami Zayn Johnny Knoxville match mm-hmm. <laughs> from WrestleMania. And because it's just so wild, it's so crazy, and it had so many different like fun moments. Mm-hmm. It's like that's probably gonna be one of the most memorable matches from this year. Is kind of a goofy, not a five-star match where like the psychology is through the roof or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like it was a genuinely fun, well-structured, well-paced match. And in a day and age where like wrestling has its fan base that, you know, the, the true and true that they will always be there to support it. When you want to grow and bring more people in, that's the kind of match you almost have to have where someone will tune in and see this and be like, okay, you know, this is really good, you know, and it kind of gets them hooked. Oh, absolutely. You know, like if I was to sit here and uh, show a non-wrestling fan, you know, Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels like from WrestleMania 21, mm-hmm. they wouldn't sit there and be like, oh, this is fantastic. They'd be like, what am I watching? Yeah. You know, but if you throw on like Undertaker versus Mankind from Hell in a Cell 98, they're going to be like, what the hell did I just watch? You, you know, the first thing. Sami like, Zayn or uh, Johnny Knoxville match. Yeah. Like, hey, I know these people. Yeah. You show them Undertaker, Mankind, and they're going to be like, is... is did he know how to do that? Like, is that acting, you know, like yeah. you'll think it's fake and it's just like it, you know, he got thrown off. Like it's, it is what it is. Well, so much of it is investment in the character too. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you have a really great match, you can go back and show somebody that knows nothing about wrestling, Ric Flair's last match. It's not going to mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, why is this old man beating this other old man? Yeah. <laughs> why is he crying in the middle of the ring? Right? <laughs> So you have to like sit back and like explain the whole story of this guy was a fan and he grew up watching this guy and this guy's been doing it since the twenties and you know, like all of this backstory that's a part of wrestling that a lot of wrestling fans take for granted, but non-wrestling fans just don't understand who these people are or what they're Mm -hmm. doing. They think wrestling, they're still thinking Hulk Hogan. A hundred percent. Because it's like, if you tell someone, oh, I'm going to go watch wrestling, the first thing they'll say, oh, like WWF. And when you think like WWF, that hasn't been since, you know, early 2000s when they did the yeah. name change, you know, and so much has changed since then, but it's still like, that's what they associate wrestling with. Absolutely. And you know what? It's just, it's what people stuck or what stuck with people when they were younger. Mm-hmm. That made them think of that, right? Even people being like, oh, that's what John Cena did. Like younger people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, or does. It's like, well, John Cena hasn't been an active wrestler forever, right? Like he did yeah. one or two matches here and there, but like he's not around ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? been about five years since he's been like an active wrestler, I think. Yeah, I'm... something like that. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, it's just kind of interesting because so much of what we do as wrestlers, we try to gear towards the wrestling fan. 
But, you know, like I was at Monday Night Raw here in Edmonton uh, not too long ago, and they basically sold that place out. So mm-hmm. there's clearly a market for these shows mm-hmm. where it's like you can get, I think it was like 15 to 14,000 people into Rogers Arena. And yet, you know, some of these indie shows, it's like, hey, we had a great success drawing 200. Yeah. It's like, where can we draw these other people back to wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where can we build that again, just on an independent lo- level? So a lot of times when I'm like thinking about different matches or what would appeal to people, it's not always about like, let's just do moves. It's like, what's going to make sense or what's going to be super entertaining so people look back and be like, yeah, I want to come back to that because of mm-hmm. this. And that that's a big thing that hopefully a lot of wrestlers and promotions will figure that out of what they can do to increase eyes on their own product eyes on themselves and just become bigger, you know, because I think everyone wants to see the promotions and the wrestlers grow. So whatever it is that you can do to get that, I think it's a welcome addition. Well, if people like, if people have a good time at a wrestling show, it doesn't matter what wrestling show it is. They're going to want to come back. Mm -hmm. But if you have a situation where it's just like, a really poorly ran show or just like, you know, not a fun experience for people, then people don't want to come back. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for somebody to come back. Why are, why are they going to spend their money over and over again? A, a big uh, thing to kind of coincide with that is there's a promotion here, Winnipeg Pro Wrestling, who mm-hmm. their last show, they announced tickets were going on sale for the next one. Within 24 hours, they had sold out everything. So that's, you know... Amazing. 200 seats within 24 hours, which for an independent show is almost unheard of nowadays. You know, usually you'll still be able to get tickets up to it, but now for the next month, you're going to have people being like, does anyone have an extra ticket? You know, trying to find these. So the fact that they can do something like that is incredibly impressive. It's, it's amazing what some of these shows do. Like I know top talent had that here uh, for their inaugural show. I know Love Wrestling has sold out a couple of their shows as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, again, it's just amazing what can happen when there's that awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And the Winnipeg Pro, like, again, that's on one of the lists of, like, I want to work in Winnipeg again for X promotions, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm CWE. I always love working for CWE and Danny. Um, those guys are always just so much fun to be around. But, uh, you know, it's just when you see that that level can happen on an independent grassroot level like it just it shouldn't motivate a lot of people that more can be done on your local scene to make it a bigger deal mm-hmm. and, and you know what it goes both ways it's not just promoters but it's also the workers as well because if we're not promoting ourselves and people aren't invested in us and people aren't seeing what we're doing then why are people paying tickets to come see the show with our face on the poster mm-hmm. you know uh i see that a lot of times it's just like people put in the bare minimum effort on that side of things. It's like, well, like our goal should be to try to get every show sold out. Yeah. So it's like wrestlers got to put, have to put their best forward, foot forward to it too. Promoters do as well. You know, unfortunately with social media, I find like a lot of promotion, like both wrestlers and promotions can get a little lazy. Mm-hmm. It's just like, Hey, I'm just going to put out this Facebook post, but you never really have like partnerships where it's like, Hey, we're going to go and talk to people and try to get, tickets out of this place or go talk to these people and try to get a sponsorship out of here. Right. Mm -hmm. A lot of that's kind of dying off, especially post pandemic. Um, So hopefully people can kind of get back to that and we can start getting like every show sold out because again, rising tide raises all ships. Right. So if one promotion does fantastic, all the other promotions should do better as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you had mentioned Winnipeg, and I know this past summer you wrestled here. You and Ty wrestled for yeah. 3D Pro, and that was my first uh, time getting to call your guys' match. And the seeing you two wrestle together, and just the fun, and how much you guys enjoyed working off of each other—it's like it's infectious. I want to ask how you two came to be a team together. Uh, it's funny you bring that up, actually, because initially we like. Neither of us had any desire of being in a tag team at the time. We both mm-hmm. want, had singles aspirations. Um, what happened was uh, RCW had brought in uh, Fandango, now known as Dirty Dango, mm-hmm. Johnny Curtis. And um, I think he had gotten injured the night before, and he was scheduled to to have a match with TY that night. Um, so TY messaged me and just said, hey, man, um, Dango's hurt. We have a tag against him and Mars. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so we did our thing there, uh, kind of a one-off deal. And I was like, okay, that was fun. Moving on. Next week, we're putting in a tag team match again. And it's like, what's going on? Like, we're not a tag team here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we we just slowly had more and more tag team matches where we'd be more associated with each other. And this is kind of around the time that the YouTube um, videos started going off, Tales from the Undercard. I was doing it more as just like a different way to do promos just so it's not the stand in front of the camera and like, screw you. And I'm the best and blah, 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 blah. It's like, let's make this a little bit more skit. I'm a big fan of like skit comedies, things like Monty Python, for example, like the Holy Grail is one of the funniest movies to me. And it's just like all this random stuff just happens. And it's like fantastic. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of doing that. And uh, as we were doing that, obviously, we kind of came up through MPW together. We've known each other for a long time. Been on a lot of car rides together. I'm sure we'll be on a lot more together. (laughs) Um, But we just kind of had that natural chemistry. And the promoter um, was able to see that initially. He's like, you guys were a lot of fun together. So it's like, let's keep putting you guys together. And slowly we ended up becoming a tag team. So it's like a lot of the early videos you'd see, it's like, we would get super mad about being called the tag team. It's like, no, we're, we're friends. We're just friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we renamed the RCW tag team champions championships, the uh, RCW uh, champions of friendship, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? So just stupid little things like that. So we're not a tag team. We're just friends. Right. So it's like over the year, because, that's basically all we've done. And you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with the success that we've had. We've slowly become a tag team under the rads moniker. So Mm -hmm. I remember talking to you guys before your match, just to kind of go over things. And you had mentioned the (laughs) RCW, uh, champions of friendship. And that popped me so big when you told me that (laughs) I loved it. Yeah. Again, it's like, the more time you spend with people and the more you chat with them, obviously the better relationships you have. So I feel like um, being able to do that with somebody that I'm close with, you can naturally see a lot of that chemistry come out. You know, you see that with me and TY, you see that with me and Larry. I'm sure if me and Mitch had a, had a tag team match as well, you'd see that with us. You'd probably see the same thing with me and Ben if he ever jumped in the ring. <laughs> but here's hoping he doesn't have to do that anytime soon. But, uh, you know, that that's one of the nice things about our little group of um, of uh, wrestling. It's It's not just a... It's not just an in-ring relationship. It's out of ring as well. Like we, we get along, we hang out, we, we talk wrestling. We go on these long ass road trips to Winnipeg for 15 hours, <laughs> turn right around, come back to Calgary to wrestle with the rest of the guys, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like that time adds up and you get a lot more chemistry. We've worked, we've worked with each other, like in the ring so much. 
that becoming a tag team, you already know each other's move sets. So it's like, okay, what if you do this? And then I add in this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you kind of get those little kind of gears moving for you. You know, like early on in our tag team run, we got a match with a uh, state of emergency out of BC who's mm-hmm. making big waves for themselves. And um, I remember them asking us like, Hey, what's your guys' finish? It's like, we don't have a finish. <laughs> like our finish is typically a roll up where we cheat somehow or we lose. Yeah. <laughs> like this is kind of the gimmick of it all. So then it made us have to actually brainstorm and go, okay, what could be a finish for us? What could be some tag team moves that we do? So it's been a pretty cool little evolution over the last year. Uh, you mentioned state of emergency. They're just one of many teams that you guys have uh, faced off against. I mean, you've got them, mm-hmm. the Billington Bulldogs earlier yeah. this year, which is a, a, a huge testament um, to you guys. for MLW now. Yeah. They, I know they did their little run in Western Canada and now it seems they've dipped down to the States and even Bollywood boys. So, I mean, yeah. some of some of the top teams in wrestling you guys have been able to face off against. Yeah, it's, you know what, like this year has been kind of just a little bit of an eye opener of what we can actually do. And like, it's almost personally validating that it's like what we're doing is actually working. Mm-hmm. Because like, you always kind of play that in your mind where it's like, are we actually doing anything worthwhile? Is, are we actually like making a difference? And then you get these opportunities against these teams. And clearly like the promoters are seeing opportunities there. Otherwise they wouldn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a number of matches against people like Chris Parrish and Son of Irish uh, in Alberta, uh, the Clandestine Society here in Alberta. We've gotten an opportunity to work with them a lot over the last year. And just like all of these little things start to add together. And it's just like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then, yeah, last, uh, yeah, last month, two months ago now, I guess, working with the Bollywood boys was kind of surreal, you know? Guys that like I was watching on TV getting beat up by Randy Orton mm-hmm. are now beating the <laughs> shit out of me in, in a wrestling ring, you know? Yeah. Um, it's funny how these things kind of work out and just like every experience, you kind of learn a little bit more from these guys as well, which is kind of why we left like Monster Pro Wrestling at one point too, is because we did want to get these opportunities, learn from these guys and get more exposure and be able to kind of spread our wings. So um, those have been awesome opportunities. And, you know, as somebody that was never really a big fan of tag team wrestling, uh, kind of finding a niche and a home in tag team wrestling, it's kind of bittersweet. Like, again, it's not what I envisioned when I was growing up, but I'm having like a ton of fun every mm-hmm. single match. Uh, the nice thing with tag team matches is your body doesn't take as much abuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of nice as well. Um, but yeah, the, this year of, uh, tag team wrestling has just been fantastic. And I've learned so much about not just, uh, the in-ring side of things, but just like the, the in-between everything and the character work. And again, just digging in deeper on those types of things to, to make it a little bit more, I guess, easier for fans to sink their teeth into. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one thing that I've always liked is like, you've got yourself, T.Y., Mitch, Larry as the Rads. And it's when it comes to wrestling and having a faction in independent wrestling, you don't really see tons of that. You might see, you know, tag teams. I mean, you have the clandestine society, but to have you guys as well, I think that's a huge, huge addition to any, any scene, because I mean, you can bring in two, you can bring in three, you can bring in everyone. And it's, you know, whether you're invading, whether you're doing four versus four, it's just, it adds another layer to wrestling and promotions out there. Absolutely. And we even had that opportunity uh, come up here in Alberta with uh, Can-Am Wrestling uh, over the last couple months where we we went down, did a show, established ourselves as a team, showed up, 
we're a bunch of idiots and uh, <laughs> we ended up winning all their titles. So mm-hmm. it, it was a pretty cool experience that way. But yeah, like that's the fun thing about this is like, not only do we get to do this with our friends, but you know, if somebody's not available, it's okay because you know what, we can be a, and you, you mix and match any of us as a tag team. You can do that. Mitch and Larry have been tag team champions in other promotions before too. So they still have a lot of chemistry on that side of things. You know, TY is an awesome singles competitor. I like to think of myself as a coherent singles competitor. <laughs> I can I can get through matches and I can have fairly decent matches with people. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the nice thing with the group too is that we're not afraid to, um, I guess, wear cake on our face. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just literally, but verbal, but like, um, what's the other word for literally? Like metaphorically, almost. Metaphorically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we definitely we we had a moment last year where we actually got caked pretty good during uh, uh, Harlan Abbott's birthday celebration. But um, so that was pretty fun. But yeah, like we're not afraid to eat a, like wear a little bit of cake. So it's like it's not going to come in and just be like this. So, like we we don't need to be this super serious team where it's mm. like we're trying to become these badasses and. You know, everybody look out for us, but it's like, we like to have a little bit of fun with it. We like to get the, like, if we're the butt end of the joke, like that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of our job as heels is to get reactions no matter where it is. You know, there was one show, I think Mitch talked about it on your podcast too. We showed up and the one guy's like, well, I don't know. We don't know if we like, we'll probably get a big heel reaction. You guys probably won't get as much. And like, we get out there and people hate us and we're not even on the mic yet. <laughs> Like just, it's just hilarious because like initially people see us like come out, we're shaking our hips, we're touching our our fingertips together and they're like, oh, this is pretty fun. And then we start talking to the crowd and the crowd's just like, you guys are a bunch of assholes. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's just brutal. Like I know in wrestling, a lot of people want to be, you know, the serious badass heels, but there's also a place for the heels that can joke around, have fun and also like be able to laugh at themselves doing it. Oh, absolutely. I think there was a good like, six to 10 matches in a row where me and ty had some type of like nut shot in there where it's either like my face get i get toe drop toe hold in the corner into his balls mm-hmm. he gets thrown into the ropes into mine wh- whatever it might be right so it's like those stupid little things um a lot of people are like ah that, that's just gonna make us look bad it's like it's not gonna make you look bad it's just gonna make the crowd laugh Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was laughing at that stuff. It gets the baby faces more over. It gets us more over as idiots. Gives the crowd something to cheer for. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't see why people are afraid of looking a little foolish sometimes. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask just about if there's a few matches that really stand out to you. I know you guys have had a big year this year, but if there's anything that really, really hits home as meaning some meaningful to you. Oh man, you know what? Like it's funny because I I kind of look back. And the one that really stands out, like it's a match that I was managing because I had separated my shoulder at the time. But TY's match with Johnny Morrison when he came to Edmonton was mm-hmm. like next level. That was probably one of my favorite matches to like be around and be somewhat involved with. So that was super cool. But like again, getting the opportunity to wrestle ball wrestle the Bollywood boys with uh, Larry was super fun. We got to go all around the rec room and kind of do some cool stuff there. Um, our matches with the clandestine society were really awesome. You know, we, we've, were able to have a couple no DQ, like we had a no DQ match and we never once used a actual weapon <laughs> and the crowd was still happy at the yeah. end. So it was pretty cool to be able to do that stuff. Had a couple matches with uh, a tag team here, the mutiny with Lil Blay and Gina Ryan who are making, um, their big comeback to, uh, Canada 
from being in Mexico for uh, for a long period of time there. So that was really fun. Our matches with Chris Parrish and Son of Irish were awesome. SOE really stands out as a big one. And I'm looking forward to, I believe we're working with them again in January this year. So uh, super excited for that opportunity because we've grown so much as a team and performers. So it'd be fun to kind of do that again. Um, but yeah, actually it's funny because some of my favorite moments were actually the ones that we lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's like when me and TY lost our tag team titles to the clandestine society, just hearing the reaction of the crowd, like they just, the the roof blew off the place as they say, mm-hmm. as they eat us. So it's like, it's kind of validating that it's like, we were so shitty that people wanted to see us lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the more of that, that I can get in my life. Like if people are cheering for when I'm losing, like that's super awesome to me. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, it's one of those, one of those things where it's like you always dreamed of being the person in the middle of the ring at wrestlemania getting cheered for but it's a little bit more fun being like the person that they beat to get cheered for so yeah being the person that they see they want to see lose that match yeah it's pretty it's pretty fun you know it's like people would pay their hard-earned money to see rick flair lose and that's something that i want to emulate in a way Mm -hmm. Um, I know that you do a lot of personal training yourself. Was that something you had always been involved with? Uh, yeah, based my entire life, I've been a personal trainer. So mm-hmm. um, ever since, like I went to school initially for business and that was really boring. Um, so I went into kinesiology, which, which is the study of the body moving and whatnot. Um, and yeah, ever since then, I just kind of fell in love with the personal training industry. Like I've loved sports. I love being physically active throughout my entire life. And I always wanted to do something with physical activity. Now, like initially when I started personal training, I had these dreams of training, like the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers or like a professional hockey team or something like that. But as I've gone through my personal training career, I've also found much more passion in helping people just do everyday things like yeah. being able to go play with their kids <laughs> and actually like not be in pain for a week afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to play a game of hockey or being able to go for a hike and, you know, not die halfway up the mountain kind of yeah. deal, right? So just like a, a tagline of mine is helping people live life to the fullest. And, and that's kind of my passion is I, I want people to be able to do whatever they dream of. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be uh, in professional wrestling. That's something that I dreamed of. But I couldn't do that if I was out of shape, if I was... um very sedentary if I didn't have the physical capabilities that I do not saying that you need to be a certain body shape to do it but you're a professional athlete right you need Mm -hmm. to be able to do some things so being able to do that being able to like you know get a text message from a friend and be like hey let's go shoot shoot uh the ball around and it's like okay well I'm just there or being able to be like yeah I'll go on a hike this weekend you know it's pretty cool to just be like yeah I can go do these things Mm-hmm. where so many people they're unfortunately not able to do those things and it's mostly because they just haven't enjoyed the process so it's uh it's something that i'm super passionate about is just helping people uh, become the best versions versions of themselves especially when it comes to the physical activity side i think that's one thing because you always have people asking you know like for advice with getting involved with you know training or just upping their fitness levels and you know people will say like oh well I I hate doing this and I've always thought like if you hate you know doing this one activity then do something you enjoy doing because at least then you're not going to hate you know going to the gym or you know being outside doing stuff you know but like they fixate on just hating one thing and it just ruins their whole experience 
yeah, like so many people will say like, oh, I hate cardio. I never do cardio. It's like, well, if you hate cardio, it's like, do you like playing soccer? It's like, yeah, I like playing soccer. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, kick a soccer ball for half an hour then. Yeah. Like, go, go play soccer with some friends. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be like standing on the treadmill to automatically live this perfect life, right? Like, mm-hmm. not a lot of people like resistance training. Actually, I have a client of mine that act, like hates working out. Mm-hmm. but she wants to feel healthier she wants to be able to do different things in her life and she's just like okay well that's why i come to see you because you make it bearable mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like that's fine like not everyone's gonna love fitness like yeah. i love going to the gym lifting weights uh, i love the feeling that you get afterwards uh, i love looking the way that i do um despite always wanting more mm-hmm. uh but not everyone's going to be that person. So just finding what actually drives your passion and drives you to be in a better place, both physically and mentally is always going to be more important because yeah, you see it all the time, especially this time of year, it's new year's right now. So it's like a lot of people will try to force themselves to go to the gym. Then they try to do too much. They're doing like weights that they don't know how to do. They're doing cardio that they hate. They're doing stretching that they can tolerate um but it's like okay let's focus on one thing and actually do that mm-hmm. get good at that like resistance training is always my go-to for that because it's just the best yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh let, let's find a way to enjoy that first and then start factoring everything else in so it's like yeah uh, i it's too bad that a lot of people have these negative connotations in their mind when it comes to uh physical activity based and a lot of that i think comes down from like experiences in elementary school high school of uh gym class and being you know picked on while playing dodgeball and not actually learning about like the body and why it's important to be active you know with uh i i mean you had mentioned you know the new year around well new year's here and so many people have the mindset of you know wanting to you know get more involved with fitness or being more active do you have any advice for anyone uh, besides, you know, starting small, anything else that you would suggest that they look out for? Oh man, I have a whole list of this. So follow my social media page, RK athletics one for that cheap plug, but, uh, no, um, there, there's so much that goes into like new year's resolutions. Like it's honestly start small, do the little things first, stay consistent, stay patient. Um, and, and realistically it's like, find what works for you. And, be nice to yourself. <laughs> if there's a day that you go and you end up eating half a pie, it happens. Mm-hmm. You're just going to shrug it off. And the next day is another opportunity to keep going in a positive direction. It's like, we make these choice, like make the choice for yourself it is another big one. Because like, if you're doing this to try to impress somebody else, if you're doing this, uh, you know, for me, there's a long time in my life where it's like, I'd be working out to try to impress girls. And it's like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> You know, and I found like those were times in my life that my training actually suffered because it's like, well, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm not mm-hmm. actually like, pushing myself towards a goal. So like find a goal that you want to work towards, find the actions that are you can actually put in place to reach that goal and commit. Make the choice every day that you're going to commit to yourself and your goals. And that's the best way that you can go about your New Year's resolution is commit to the actions and then the goals will eventually get there. So if you're trying to lose weight, it's like, Kate, commit to, actually, there's a really great post by a, a fitness guy named Jordan Syatt. He's a three, two, one plan. Basically aim for uh, three bottles of water a day, two pieces of fruit, and one big ass salad. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what's in there, but every single day, try to hit those three things. Everything else you do outside of that, awesome. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. Like those aren't the only things that you do on that day, obviously. But like, if you implement those three and then like what I would add to that is like going for a 20 minute walk, those four things right there could probably be a game changer for 90% of the population. You had mentioned, mentioned patience. And I think that's a key thing uh, not to, not to expect things overnight. I remember when I first started, you know, I was going to university gym, you know, lifting weights and all that sort of stuff, going for runs there. I'd run around the track for hours on end because I thought that's what I had to do. And uh, I remember an older guy there, he came up to me one day and his advice was, and it's actually true. He goes, you didn't get this way overnight. So you're not going to see results overnight. So you have to be patient. And the way he went about it might not have been the most tactful, but it did ring true. And it's a testament to just being patient. Big time. Uh, There's a book called The Compound Effect. I forget the author right now, but it's an amazing book. It's mostly around like financial side of things. So it's like how things can compound over time, but it also goes into the fitness side of things as well. It's like every action that you do every single day can eventually accumulate over time. So like, um, not to pump my own tires here, every now and then I'll get a nice compliment through wrestling. Like people will be like, oh man, you're looking really good. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, thanks. But that's also accredited to like 15 years of being in the gym and trying to put on as much muscle as I can. Mm -hmm. I'm not even the biggest guy in wrestling. Like again, anytime, um, actually there was a great quote by a guy named Dom Zetti is like, uh, the first day you work out, you'll always be the smallest guy. Mm -hmm yourself obviously right yeah um so it's like in my mind i'm not making all that much progress but to other people they see the changes in me so it's like having that support system as well is going to be a great way to be able to be more patient and to see those changes as well because it's not just going to be you looking in the mirror every day that's like oh my god like i all of a sudden look so much better it's gonna be that person that you see like every two to four weeks every two to four months you know that is going to be like have you lost weight mm-hmm like, oh, well, yeah, a little bit. It's like, oh, I can really notice like through your chin or through your uh, neck or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. It's like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> so it's kind of cool that way for uh, people to see those differences that you, especially when it's coming from other people too. So having mm-hmm. external sources is nice, but you don't want it to be the be all end all. Uh, I've got a couple more for you, then I'll let you yeah. go and enjoy your Monday. Uh, I know you are big into movies. Uh, oh, is, yeah. is there anything you are incredibly excited for coming out in the new year oh there's a i believe there's christopher christopher nolan movie coming out here in the new year that i'm super excited for but i'm always excited for like superhero movies i'm a big Mm -hmm. superhero movie nerd on that side of things so it's like always pumped for the next release coming up um i don't know when the next one is off the top of my head i think it's guardians of the galaxy i think so which is always a fun time in the movie theater but Mm -hmm. uh but usually it's like i'll I'll catch up on movies closer to the end of the year when people kind of have recommended like, Hey, go see this, check this out, check this one out. So then it's like, I accumulate a lot of the movies on a big list that I have mm-hmm. and then I just try to purge through them. So I'm always usually about like a year or two behind with certain movies, but eventually I get to them. I, I'm still trying to find time to watch Nope um, because I yeah. that, that was really good. And uh, with superhero movies, uh, I have to still have to watch the Eternals but oh, okay. uh, uh i want i heard that there's like a blade cameo and that's strictly why i want to see it so well don't get uh, i will say like don't get too hyped up about the cameo but Damn it. um but 
I, I like that one. Again, yeah. it probably doesn't rank for a lot of people as one of their favorites, but I, I thought it was decent enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's one of those things where you've invested so much time over the years watching all these characters and all these movies grow that it's like, now I'm just kind of stuck in it. Like yeah. I'm obligated to see all these movies. But uh, Nope was a really great one that I liked last year. It didn't make my top 10, but uh, it, it was definitely one of the better ones I've seen. So what did you have in your top uh, top couple? Uh, top couple. So I, my number one this year was the Batman. I was super okay. hyped about that one. I came in with no expectations. So I was super pumped to see that ran a little long for me, but that was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because it's Batman, of course, um, big Batman nerd, uh, two was, uh, everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, super awesome movie. Like, uh, it had a lot of hype going, like when I watched it, I think it was like a couple days ago, actually. Um, but it lived up to all the hype. It, it was like a fun action movie, just kind of weird in different ways. Um, another one that I really liked was uh, The Devil All at Once. It came out a couple of years ago. It has Tom Holland in it. Okay. Um, that was a really good movie. Um, but then there's things like uh, Bullet Train was on the list. Um, Doctor Strange and Black Panther. Dark Waters. Uh, the new Pinocchio that came out on Netflix is that actually, good. I, I really love that movie. It, mm-hmm. was, it was so weird, but so cool. Um, Free Guy, I watched for the first yeah. time this year. So that one was like on there for sure. Uh, they're on my social medias, but yeah, you know, like I, I just love movies. I love watching new ones. Having that new experience is always so much fun. I, it's trying to find three hours that I can set aside to watch Batman is what's holding me back because I don't want to start and stop it. I want to be able to go right through with it. Oh, I did. I felt that way about like about a lot of good older movies. So like, I just watched Shawshank Redemption for the first time yesterday. Okay, just because it's like two and a half hours, and yeah. it's like uh, two and a half hours for a movie like that's a little bit older. It's gonna be a little harder to keep your attention. And despite the mass hangover that I had, <laughs> uh, it was a really great movie. That's one of the few that like if I'm flipping through the channels and I see that it's on, no matter where it is in the movie, I'll just continue watching from that part. See that that's kind of the that's the thing that I saw about that. Like there's a couple movies that you can just like you can just jump into from wherever it is in the plot and you're like already in. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've seen it already. I guess that yeah. helps. But like I find that with like Forrest Gump. You can just throw that on and it's just like, oh cool. They're at this part. And you just kind of have something in the background if you want it. But yeah, like Shawshank, you could probably just throw on and you're like committed to it where it's like there's other movies where it's like, oh, I want to see the opening part, but I don't want to see this part, but yeah. I can watch the middle part, but I don't really care about the end. Like, it's hard to find that whole movie where it's like you could join it in progress and it's actually still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to ask everyone for a match recommendation that you think that the listeners should uh, go out and watch, whether it's up on the WWE Network, up on YouTube, anywhere. Oh, shit. Well, obviously catch up on all of your rads matches if you mm-hmm. haven't watched those uh they're all on the youtubes a lot of our matches are on uh love wrestling's channel but you can also find a playlist on tales from the undercard my own our own page here um but non non me matches oh god there's so many on on the network like it, it's just such a vast amalgamation like i i just watched a random like I think it was ultimate dragon Dean Malenko match from like a nitro. That was like super good uh, back in 97. Um, 
Uh, my, one of my go-tos is always going to be Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21. That was such mm-hmm. a fun match. Um, oh, what was that other one that I just watched? I For sake of time, that's going to be the one that I recommend. For sure. Uh, just because like I'm having a hard time even thinking of just one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have for upcoming shows? I mean, the year starting off with a bang. So what do you have? Uh, what do you have lined up? Oh man, uh, my January is pretty busy right now. Um, January seventh here in Edmonton. Um, January fourteenth in Calgary. I'm back in Calgary on the twenty first for Can Am. Those first two were for RCW. Uh, Love Pro Wrestling running their monthly show on the twenty seventh. Just released the poster today. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my boy Mitch on it. And then the following night on the 28th in Edmonton again for RCW. February, I'll be uh, doing an Edmonton show on the 9th. Is that Edmonton? Yeah, that's Edmonton. And uh, the 17th in Okotoks for, uh, for Can-Am as well. So it's a good start to the year. Um, definitely want to add in a couple new places and see some new faces. Uh, for those listening, if they're not following you already, where can they find you up on social media, YouTube, all that sort of stuff? Find me almost anywhere. So I do have a separate fitness and, uh, wrestling accounts for everything. So if you want to watch more of the fitness side of things, cool. If you want to watch more of the wrestling side of things, cool. If you want to watch both, fantastic. You can find my fitness side of things at RK athletics, um, on Instagram. And I believe, yeah, on Instagram, at least it's RK athletics one, because there's a, Polish company with the same name, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, you'll you'll recognize the face um, for wrestling. It's Rich King Wrestling on YouTube. You can find Tales from the Undercard and find RK Athletics on there as well. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, and and the YouTubes. Perfect, Rich. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. And thank you. And uh, I'm sure the pleasure was all yours. Thank you so much to Rich for joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Definitely hit him up on his social media, shoot him a follow, show him some love, and make sure you check out new episodes of Tales from the Undercard up on YouTube. The Rads are doing some incredible stuff with that, so go show some support. Thank you to Rich. Thank you for checking out the podcast. I say it every time. I will always say it. I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to me talk about wrestling. If it's your first time listening, you can find me up on Twitter, at Pod. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, up on all podcast streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, and I email grainmakerpodcast at gmail.com. If you've got questions, comments, concerns, there's a guest you would like to see on there, shoot me an email over there and I'll see what I can do. I've got t-shirts for sale as well, 25 bucks a piece, kick off the new year being as fashionable as you can be with your official Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast t-shirt shoot me a message and I will get one to you. Thanks again for checking out the podcast. We'll talk soon.